I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome, everyone, to the Raptors Over Everything podcast. My name is Amit Man. Rate, review, and subscribe on your podcast platforms on YouTube. Like, thumbs up, do it all. Muchly appreciated. Joining me today Raphael Barlow of NBA Big Board, founder of NBA Draft Junkies, director of international scouting at Circuit Scouting, host of Locked On NBA Pods. As you can see, he is a draft expert and he is exhausted. <laughs> How are you, man? <laughs> hey, you described it. I'm exhausted. It's been a crazy, crazy week. Uh, the draft is, you know, it's always fun. It's like my, my favorite holiday of the year. I mean, to me, I labeled it a holiday. Yeah, but the last few years it's been a lot of work. Just making sure you put out content. I'm I'm like a one man band in a sense, so you know I have to write my articles, make sure that they're published, appearances, and scouting reports. So draft night is like one of my favorite days, but now it's becoming like my busiest day. So yeah, uh, I'm ready to relax for a couple of days and then start on 2023. I was going to ask you about that because, I mean, you're self-made in that way. So salute to that. But then how many days do you take off? Because 2020 or 2023 seems like it's going to be an even better draft. Uh, I don't really take days off. Like I'm Once I, I have a couple more podcast appearances. Yeah. And I'll probably, I may, I may start on Saturday, start on Saturday, just because with the, I, I took over for Chad Forrest's newsletter and you know it's behind the paywall it's subscription based and so people sure. are paying you know it's not a lot of money but they're paying seven dollars a month for the content and so i just want to make sure that for every draft cycle i'm keeping them updated and a lot of times people may and i get it you know people may subscribe and then once the draft is over they cancel their subscription mm-hmm. so i want to have content that that they enjoy that hits their their inboxes all the time that they'll continue to subscribe so that's one of my motivations. Man, you're in constant playoff mode. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's work, but I enjoy it. I mean, there's yeah. much, much harder ways to make a living, much harder ways yeah. to, you know, spend your days. And so I'm watching basketball and just using my opinion. So, I mean, there's a part of me that feels like, I still feels like I haven't made it. So I'm still trying to, you know, continue the same work ethic I had when, nobody knew who I was and mm. so um you know I read Giannis's book and that's kind of like his his mindset of what if I wake up one day and this is all gone I'm gonna just keep you know working as if like I don't have anything and so for me I just want to continue to to work as if I'm still like that guy that's struggling to to get anybody yeah. to listen to his podcast or, or read his post or his, his draft uh, evaluations well, congrats on another draft well done. Um, the content was terrific. And there's a reason why I'm asking you to come on to discuss these Raptors uh, draft selections and also who they who they signed um, afterwards and Ron Harper Jr. But first, so Christian Coloco, um, mm-hmm. did you have, where did you have him on your draft board? Where did you think he was going to go in um, 
in the draft this year? Ooh, I'd have to look and see. I've <laughs> everywhere I've done so many of these. Yeah. Uh, I know, you know, and the thing is, I've done so many, so you know, it changes from week mm. to week to week. I think I had him at one point. I had him as a second round pick. I, I thought, I mean, I'm sorry, as a first round pick. I thought yeah. he was a good fit for Dallas at like. 26 they ended up moving out of that spot i'm a little higher on him than most but i had him in my last mock that came out yesterday or the day of the draft i want to say i had him in the i had him 41 to the pelicans wow no kidding yeah yeah, yeah, and that speaks to the draft, too, that it was such a vague field. And when I was looking at mock drafts um, from assorted draft experts, I saw the same players at 20, then I saw them at 35. And uh, it was kind of just the nature of the draft. Lots of talent, but maybe not as much of uh, the high-end side that there has been in previous years, but certainly a lot of role players. And with uh, with Christian, the Raptors, or at least Bobby Webster said afterwards, that they had him between 20 and 25, and I guess in their own way that the, he fell to them at 33. And I remember Masai Ujiri said a few weeks ago, he said this line that I keep on thinking about, if we can find them, we will develop them. And then Bobby Webster yeah. gave us this nugget yesterday where he said that they've been tracking um, Christian since 2017. Is that common to have your eyes on a, on a, a pick or a, a prospect for that long, or is that unique to the Raptors? It could be unique to the Raptors. I know there was the joke that Masai is going to draft somebody from Africa. You know, I saw someone tweet. He's, I hate he's that, find by the somebody way. From I hate that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I hate, sorry, and not so, to interrupt you, but sorry, not to interrupt yeah. you, but this was bothering me today because I saw some comments that, oh, from Raptor fans, mind you, that they're saying things like, oh, so we're just going to be the giants of Africa. Is that the plan? Like, please, people, there's a reason why Masai is doing this. It's not just because um, these players are African. It's because it's an untapped market with loads of potential and you find players like Christian Coloco, you find Pascal Siakam, Joel Embiid. This is why you tap into that market because not everyone's doing what the Raptors are doing. So be happy that they're doing it because they may have gotten another prospect that could be really beneficial for them uh, for years to come. So let's not go down that path. Let's avoid racism. Anyway, sorry, I wanted to say that. Please. Proceed. Yeah. And you know, it's funny to hear that because when I think of Toronto, I think of like the most diverse city I've ever seen. Yeah. And there's so much diversity there. And maybe it's coincidence that, you know, Jim Coloco is from, uh, I think he's from Cameroon. Um, but I could see how Masai would be tracking him or, or yeah. the front office would be tracking him because, I mean, they have a great track record. And so I think, like, the the best front offices have loads and loads of, of data on, on different mm -hmm. guys that could potentially be a prospect, even guys that are – you know, undrafted or guys, even for their G League team. And in yeah. my opinion, Miami and Toronto are the two best teams in the league when it comes to developing talent and just mm -hmm. making nothing into something. And so, um, yeah, it doesn't surprise me that they've been tracking them for five years. Yeah. So it is somewhat rare that teams would would do that. No, I mean, I think teams do have databases, you know, yeah. so. It's just, uh, I mean, five years. Well, he did go to school for three. Hmm. So I think he may have had some previous connections or somebody may have told Masai about him. So I, I think that probably helps out a lot. But it, sure. it doesn't It doesn't surprise me at all. And I think I've heard like the Thunder probably do like the most extensive 
background mm. and extensive data on, on players. And then there was just an article on the Suns that came out where they do like the very, very minimum. And they yeah. don't even use the word potential. They only draft guys <laughs> that they think they can come in and help them right away. Yeah, that was an interesting article. I don't want to go down that path. But hey, I mean, everyone, every front office has their uh, ideology and the way they decide to, you know, bring in players and draft them and so forth. And the Raptors got their idea. And um, Bobby Webster, a few days before the uh, draft, he said this line that, you I mean, you guys know what we're looking for. We're looking for defensive versatility. And if they can shoot, great. And I was like, hmm. Now, there are some wings that have defensive versatility, but they can also shoot. So if they can shoot, great. I started thinking like, okay, so is it going to be a center? Could it be a Coloco? Could it be um, Ismail Kamagate? Could it be someone else? And when they made the pick, I was like, okay, I see it. Because these rumors have been going around about the Raptors and are they interested in DeAndre Ayton? Are they interested in uh, Rudy Gobert? And it seems like, I mean, even Nick Nurse alluded to yesterday that Coloco has potential to be like the missing piece to what they need for their defense to make it exactly what he wants. So focusing on his rim protection, his versatility on, on the defensive end, um, what makes him so good at that? Well, one, he has energy and um, one of the best shot blockers in this class, athletic. Yeah. And I like how he's trending in the right direction. If you look at his stats from his freshman to sophomore to junior year, you see improvements, made the big jump. This year, ironically, I was in a I was in Los Angeles last summer, and I went to a gym to uh, watch some friends play pickleball. And when I go into the gym, I see this tall, skinny guy blocking shots from the floor, huh. and I'm like, "Dang, who, who is he? That like that that dude is good." So I looked, and I, I thought it was him, but then I, I noticed, okay, he has Arizona shorts, Arizona backpacks. I was like, "Okay, that's Christian Coloco," and. Um, kind of looked at the stats it was just like ah, maybe this is someone i'm gonna keep an eye out on the stats weren't impressive from a sophomore year yeah and then he just made a big big jump um this year so i was at the combine and i had a chance to interview him and i had you know mentioned that hey you know i saw you playing this summer based off of what i saw there i should have known that you know you were due to make a a, a big jump and then i was asking him about his shooting which is why i felt like at one point he was kind of underrated and yeah. at the combine, he I remember tweeting like the photo from the from the uh, I don't know, I can't think of the name of it, like the, the screen. I can't the jumbotron. Yeah. yeah. And gotcha. at the combine, they had all like the stats that that guys did. And it was only accessible to the people that were there. And I took a picture of it and he made like 16 out of 25 from this three point star. Mm -hmm. And I remember when I tweeted it, I kept getting all these comments like, is that an error? And I was like, no. And we're talking about a guy that didn't make a single three pointer in his college career. And he I think he only made 12 or maybe it was either 12 jump shots. No, I want to say he made. I think he made like 18 jump shots total wow. in his three years at Arizona, but he made yeah. 12 of them this year. Hmm. And so um, I think he's so when I talked to him, I was asking him about the shooting and he said, yeah, he's been working on it. He just wasn't really allowed to shoot at Arizona. I guess they kind of put him in a box as, you know, whatever he probably came into the program with. They probably just, you know, hey, stick to running this floor, blocking yeah, sure. shots, get yeah. your butt on this paint, get the rebounds. <laughs> and he had told me that he's been working on shooting maybe a thousand shots a day from picking pops to three pointers to um you know just shots at the elbow so he told me he does two a days and it, it made sense after the way he shot the ball so 
said all that to say this. If he ends up being like a rim-protecting vertical lob threat that can switch out on space and knock down open shots, you definitely got to steal at 33. Yeah, I mean, that's not um, that's not even... <laughs> That's not just a starter. That could potentially be like someone who's a lot more than that. Because right now I look at the Raptors and they got a pretty solidified top six or so. And I thought Coloco, like, okay, you know, you take a chance on him. Um, they do need some level of size because they got Ken Birch as their backup center. And that's good. But for certain matchups, just as we saw against Joel Embiid, you just need a bit more size, just someone. And he said himself, I'm talking about Coloco, um, just got off his, uh, his media availability. First off, very bright young man. He was clearly yeah. raised right, very humble, um, just wants to work hard. And what you're talking about is work ethic, shooting a thousand threes a day. I get it. I see it. Um, but he said that moving the way I do at my size, I think it's really rare. And that perfectly encapsulates why the Raptors wanted him. You got a seven-footer with a seven-foot wingspan who's 230 pounds right now who can guard on the perimeter who can D up forwards, who, who believes himself that he can guard one to five at some point in his NBA career. But then on the other side, you think Nick Nurse, and he's like, we're going to use this kid in drop coverage. We're going to use him in zones because he just needs to be vertical, right? The Raptors have so many good yeah. defensive players already on the perimeter that allows them to be even more aggressive on the perimeter and just funnel them to him at some point. And he just needs to be that brick wall that he's already been. So I wonder, you know, what, at what point is he going to be able to make like a real impact on the Toronto Raptors? Because he could potentially just, you know, be the guy that's going to be in the 905, just as they've done with other players um, in the past. And he spends a year there, has some good times, has, uh, you know, some good vibes, has some stand-up moments in the NBA for in his like five, 10 minute stretches when he gets them, or maybe he is a rotation piece. I'm not sure. What do you think? Do you think he could be that guy? Next season? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think so. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he goes back and forth between the mm -hmm. Raptors and the 905. But either way, I mean, I think with Toronto, you – I don't know what's in the water up there, but <laughs> if you put on a 905 jersey, <laughs> the chances are yeah. when you get to the Raptors, you're going to be well-prepared and able to contribute. Mm -hmm. So I wouldn't be opposed to him spending some time there. I mean – I know the coach just left. I think he went to, to Phoenix. Yeah. But, um, I mean, it's just a great developmental program. I, I worked in the G League before, and I wish that I was around when when the 905 came because I definitely would have tried to find out, like, what are they doing that's different? Mm. Is it their scouting? I mean, you look at, you know, from Van Vliet to Siakam to, I mean, so many guys that went yeah. from, like, literally – playing for the 905 to like high level rotation players in such uh -huh. a short amount of time. So I, I think for him, it's, it's, it's just good to be in the Raptors organization. Defensively, as we're talking about, you know, his potential and what he's already able to do. Um, I'm sure there are some weak points still on defense. We'll get to offense in a second, but what would you say are some things that he could improve on as a defensive rim protector center who's potentially got ver the versatility to play uh, or, or guard all five positions? Well, I think he'll definitely need to get stronger, even yeah. though I think he said he's like 230 now. I mean, you got to figure, you got to guard and be. So he's got to be like, I heard 300 pounds. Oof. 300 pounds he said he may not you may not see it on there because it's such a negative stereotype when you see 300 pounds but he's like yeah. 
you know, you can't move Joel and beat off the block. And so I think he'll definitely need to get stronger. I think his frame can put on a little bit more weight. Yeah. I don't know if he'll be able to get, you know, too much bigger. Um, so that's one thing, just kind of getting his grown man strength in, in, in a sense. And then just learning the NBA game. It's just going to be totally different. I mean, it's just going to be mm-hmm. an adjustment for any rookie and, and learning, um, you know, the tendencies of the different players. But I think defense is going to be his calling card mm-hmm. and the skill set that he can hang his hat on. So I think he'll be fine. What do you think is so unique about his footwork at his size? Like what, what, I mean, I've heard that he played soccer. I talked to Corey Tillaba, another draft fellow who said that um, when he spoke to, uh, to Christian that he cited, you know, being playing soccer helped his, his footwork and look no further than a Marcus Saul, a guy who was a big, big body, but he just had these very active feet. And I'm sure uh, Marcus, I don't know for sure, but I would think that he played soccer growing up as well. So just within that, um, what's unique about being able to, you know, move your feet in that way at seven feet. Well, one, I, I think soccer definitely helps I yeah. think more American players need to play soccer at least in the beginning i mean if i had a son that i thought was going to be a seven footer i'm going to put him in soccer yeah just just for that purpose i mean i I, i'm not tall my wife's not tall so i know that (laughs) (laughs) i probably won't produce a high level athlete but if i had the genes to do it i I would put him in soccer because i think that obviously the balance the footwork and then I mean, in, in today's NBA, you have so much value if you can come out on yeah. the perimeter and move your feet. I mean, it, it, you're going to have a hard time stopping guards in space anyway, but if you can at least slow them down a little bit or you're just not a liability, you just bring so much value. So um, I definitely think it is the soccer background. And, I mean, he's very coordinated and, he's, and he has you know good yeah. balance. But I think, again, soccer plays a major role in him being able to be this – switchy defender that can protect the paint and defend in space. I haven't seen too much of his three-point shot. And you mentioned earlier, it was 16 or 25 at the combine. And that made a lot of eyes go up saying, oh, wow, he has that. And now we're hearing about his work behind the scenes. It kind of makes sense. But um, just looking at his shot, do you like it? Do you think he needs some tweaks? Um, Could you see him being one day a a pick and pop kind of big? Or is that in the near future? Or is that kind of a few years away? Yeah, I mean, he could have already had it in his, you know, in his bag, in a sense. And actually, that's Mm -hmm. what he told me when I interviewed him at the combine. He said he had been able to shoot. It's just he didn't get the opportunity to show it. Ah. And all it really takes is a creative coach. And an example that I can give that I I know personally is Dwayne Detman for the Miami Heat. Dwayne didn't start playing basketball until he was like 18 or 19 years old. Sure. So his first time playing organized ball was at a junior college and so he ends up you know very very raw doesn't go drafted and i was hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank linkedin helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. 
PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Say back as early as like 2013 or 2014, he was spending summers in Dallas and I would see him shooting threes. And I was mm. just kind of like amazed at the touch because I never saw it in the NBA game. Then he went to Atlanta, then San Antonio, and he said he wanted to work on it. And the Spurs was just like, no, we just need you to get offensive rebounds. You know, you're not going to shoot. And putting so a ceiling on that, me. You're putting a ceiling on me. What the yeah, hell? And, but it happens. I think every NBA player <laughs> yeah, sure, does. has to yeah. accept some kind of role. And so Dwayne told me a story that when he got to, he signed with Atlanta. And when he signed with Atlanta, I guess he did a workout and he was knocking down threes. Mm. And Coach Budenhauser was like, stop. All right. I've seen enough. Let's let's try this again tomorrow. And he thought maybe he was hot. So Dwayne told me he, he came back the next day and he was knocking down threes, knocking down threes. And so the coach said, all right, well, if this is if you are a capable shooter, yeah. then I'll, I'll run plays maybe like the first seven to ten games of the season. I'll script some plays to get you wide open looks in the pick and pop. So, of course, on a scouting report, he's never made a three. Nobody's. <laughs> going to guard him and I guess he made enough threes where they continue to run the offense or not necessarily run the offense but you know call plays that gives them opportunities yeah. and I want to say shot like 35 percent from three that particular year which led to like this 40 million dollar contract in Sacramento so I said all that to say this yeah nobody would have known Dwayne could shoot threes if it wasn't for one coach that gave him the opportunity and mm. even now he's in Miami and I, I I do a little skills training and me and my brother were at his workout. Well, we, we conducted the workout to where he, you know, Miami brought him in late. He had some injuries. So we conducted the workout in front of the heat staff. Yeah. And all we did was try to have him shoot threes and show that he can pick and pop, yada, yada, yada. And then when Miami signed him, they were just like, uh, roll. Yeah. 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 I don't think they even let him. I don't think he shot a three his first season. I think he shot a little bit this year, but I, that was kind of like, like a long answer. But I said all that to say this. Nick Nurse is the type of coach to where if you can shoot threes and he believes you can do something, he will get creative enough to allow you to maximize your mm -hmm. skills. I mean, we saw it with Scotty Barnes. We didn't think he could score. Precious, man. Precious. <laughs> oh, I, I, I've been a big precious guy. I had yeah. my friend as an agent. And I used to argue with him all the time. I said, Precious is going to be good. I like Precious. And he just was yeah. like, nah. And so when Precious got to Toronto, I still subtweet him from time to time. Like when Precious has a good game, I'm like, I'm so glad that I believed in Precious Achua. And he doesn't talk about him. But yeah, exactly. So, and I think, I think Precious is going to be really, really good. I think yeah. the sky's the limit for him. Man, I still daydream about this pull-up three he had against uh, the 76ers in the regular season. It was their last matchup, and the Raptors won that game. And he pulled it out of nowhere. It was at Scotiabank Arena. The Raptors were getting – they were rallying. They were a little bit down, and they had a lot of momentum. And he just pulled up, and I was like, wow, he did that. And then a few weeks later, I was at practice, and I saw him practicing that same shot. I'm like, this is the value of work. And this is no different than – 
uh, Christian Coloco, right? He's put the work in and uh, luckily it seems like the Raptors, they're going to give him the chance to shoot threes if he can actually make them. And it looked no further than Nick Nurse. Even yesterday, he was asked about it. And he's like, I think he's going to shoot more threes than he did in college. That's all he said about it. He was just being yeah. very coy. He's like, I think he's going to shoot more. So if he can make them, obviously, it's an asset. The Raptors are begging for more spacing. And if he can do it, I think he's going to get every opportunity he wants to shoot them. And this is actually a natural pivot to his offensive game because we've talked about the jump shooting. This seems like there's something there. But as a lob threat, as a DHO guy, um, empty side pick and roll, um, he mentioned this, Coloco, again, he talked about this today, actually, that in Arizona, they wanted their big men passing the ball. And so he did do a lot of DHO, and he feels like his basketball IQ and his passing is a little bit unheralded. Know just based off like scouting reports that he thinks he has more than um, he's shown that um, he can do at least in Arizona because of as we talked about role and so forth. So, um, yeah, just on that side of the things, you know, his mobility around the basket and his ability to be a a lob threat. Your thoughts? Yeah, uh, you know the thing about college basketball is that sometimes the coach his job is to win, and of course they say they want to like develop guys. But their job is to win. I mean, everybody, every coach's job is to win. But I think yeah. in the NBA, you kind of get more leeway to develop guys because mm. they've invested money. And so I, I I do think that he has more skills than he was able to show. I think that he he does show some flashes of being a, a decent passer. And he's in a perfect situation because Toronto is one of the organizations and clubs where they have the coach that has the, not only does he have like the offensive mind yeah. to, you know, be creative, but he also has like the job security where he can try different things. He can, mm -hmm. you know, try to run some sets to maximize a second round picks skill set. So mm. um, yeah, I just think he's in a good situation. We're talking a lot of the game within the game. I like it. Wasn't expecting it to get here, but I, I appreciate this conversation because there is a lot more to it. It's not just there's politics involved in skill development and scouting and talent and opportunity. And, you know, a second round player may not get the same opportunity as a first round player, even though that yeah. second round player may actually have more upside. But he's a first round pick, the other guy. So you got to give him the the, the longer leash. Um Everything you're telling me about Coloco, like it just seems like there's a lot more untapped potential there than probably that meets the eye. I mean, I don't know too much about. I, I just see it as like a, a seven footer with seven foot wingspan who can get to the basket, who, who is a lob threat. But his touch around the basket, Nick mentioned it yesterday that he thought that there's a bit more there as well. Um, yep. Your thoughts on things like that, you know, because being able to actually be legit big who can finish in the paint um, around traffic, around bigger bodies, that's it's a skill that takes many years for most big men to develop. Yeah, I have this argument all the time, and I actually had it with an NBA player, and I think touch is something who was that it? you're born who was with. It? Who was it? Who was it? No, he doesn't play anymore. He doesn't okay. play anymore. It was, it was oh. a while back. But yeah, okay. like, we, we were joking, like, I, I'll give you an example. Uh, Mark Price was working with Michael Kidd Gilchrist. This is yeah. years ago. And so the player was just like, I mean, Mark was born with touch. He was like, MKG has no touch. It doesn't... <laughs> He's never going to be a good shooter. And this is just this player's theory. And he was like, you know, some you can work as a shooter, but if you don't have the baseline of touch, then mm. it doesn't matter. He's like, you know, Shaq can go in the gym and shoot 500 threes a day. He's still not going to be a good shooter. 
And so I said, I have to say this, that Coloco does have touch that oh, okay. I feel can be definitely improved upon. Yeah. So he's not like somebody that has like bad hands or, you know, you can look at just the improvement of his free throw percentage over the last two years that mm-hmm. all he really needs is reps. He has, you know, again, like the, the natural touch and, and the, and everything that he, he has everything that he needs to at least be a reliable shooter is just going to be reps and more reps and, you know, and the confidence to, you know, shoot him. But I think his touch around the rim is going to be, it's going to be okay. The free throw shooting is something that I wrote down too, because I was looking it up and he shot 35% at the free throw line his freshman year. Yeah. Yeah. And it went way up to 73.5 in his junior year. That is a massive jump. And that's what encouraged me is that if you can hit your free throws, like clearly you have some level of touch. There's something there that you can, you've discovered and that you got to feel for the ball and, you know, measuring your strength versus, you know, getting the ball in, in the net. That's something Serge Ibaka struggled with as a Raptor. And I always saw him working on his touch around the basket. And it, it just seemed like this dude is too strong <laughs> to do this, yeah. but, but he figured it out. He got better at it. But if Coloco already has this, you know, in his, in his rookie season, that does really, um, it's an interesting combination between his his speed and his mobility and his size, his jumping ability. Like there's something probably that he's going to be able to discover on the offensive end. And if he has the offense and the defense, we're not talking for sure at 33rd, you know, pick in the NBA draft. That is someone, if people were realizing his potential, that is probably well, for sure a lottery pick at the very least. Yeah. And you can just look at his numbers and see that he's yeah. putting the work. Mm-hmm. You know how hard it is to go from 35% to like 70%? Like yeah. more than doubled. So uh-huh. either he's just put in the work or you know, maybe he wasn't confident. Maybe it was a mental thing. But when you watch him like shoot, like when I watched him shoot at the combine, there's no way you would have convinced me two years ago this guy missed 65% of his free throws. Mm. So to me, that is a testament to his work ethic and the time that he's put in in the gym. And now, you know, when you're a pro, you have actually more time to work on your game. You're not going to class, you're not doing <laughs> any of that stuff. And if you got the 905, like as you're, you're you know, doing your development, the sky could be the limit for him. Like, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's a guy that definitely outperforms his draft position. So that is the Christian Coloco story. Lots to be intrigued about. And, you know, while we were talking to Bobby Webster, the Raptors made another signing. It was Ron Harper Jr. And at the time, Bobby could not talk about it because it wasn't exactly official, but he did offer this nugget that in 1986, Wayne Embry, who's one of the members of the Raptors front office, that he also drafted Ron Harper Sr. And so now you got Ron Harper Sr. and Ron Harper Jr., um, all both involved in, I guess, being drafted by Wayne Embry, who is part of the Raptors front office. A little nugget there, which I thought was really interesting. Looking at his stats at a record, so he uh, played, was three years, I believe, and 15.8 points, 5.9 rebounds, 1.9 assists. In his senior season, he was named to the second team All-Big Ten and received the Haggerty Award, which is awarded to the New York area's top men's Division I basketball player. 21 years old, 6'6", seven foot wingspan versatility on both ends your thoughts on ron were you surprised that he didn't get drafted uh no i'm not surprised that he didn't get drafted i mean he, he definitely has the resume yeah. of someone that you would draft i mean considering that peyton washington went drafted he averaged three points a game and shot 32 percent from the floor i which, thought he was going to be a raptor i thought he was going to be a really a raptor. yeah it just it just makes this whole draft such a crap shoot <laughs> i mean we're like you look at ron harper's numbers 
Yeah. And you look at Peyton Watson's numbers and you, you think like there's no there's no comparison. But I think for Ron, which is kind of weird that his dad was such an explosive athlete. I mean, I was a kid, but I, I do remember Ron Harper used to give Michael Jordan fits when he played yeah. in Cleveland. Like he was yeah. a great athlete, tore his ACL, I believe. And that was back when, you know, a torn ACL was detrimental to your career. Now guys were coming back within nine, 12 months. But back then, guys were never the same after the mm. ACL. And I like, I think a lot of people may remember old Bulls, Ron Harper, where he was just kind of like a connective piece, but he was really a phenomenal athlete which is weird because the biggest knock against Ron Harper Jr. is <laughs> he is not an athlete. And I, I watched yeah. him at the combine. I sat next to some scouts and they liked him a little bit, but they were just like, he has no explosiveness. He doesn't have any lift around the rim. And they thought that he was going to struggle. So I think that played the biggest role in him falling outside of the top. Well, I would say top 60, but there's some teams that got caught cheating. So there wasn't 60 picks, <laughs> but I think that was why he fell out of the top 58, but obviously yeah. he had some value, you know, to get signed so fast. And then I just think, so, I mean, of course it's an honor when any NBA team reaches out to you for a mm. two way, but when the Raptors reach out to you, like immediately after the draft, then that means mm. they, they see something in you that could possibly help them out. And Again, they have a pretty good track record of sure of, of turning nothing into something. I'll turn it to you in a second, but just looking at some of the clips from this morning of uh, his driving style and his shooting, um, very physical driver. He gets into people on both ends, actually. When he's defending, he will push you, and when he's on offense, he will push you while he's driving. He is not afraid to use that big body of his, which I guess some deem that has made him a bit unathletic as a prospect, but he moves his feet pretty well. The length is there. I mean, I, I love his jumper and I love his footwork. It reminds me of a little bit of Jimmy Butler and how he's able to pivot his way in the post and find angles and space. And he's able to hit some step backs and fadeaways. Very intriguing prospect. I see you know, the vision with what the Raptors are looking for and how he's able to potentially help them. But the athleticism, I could see why that would be a knock. Um, offensively, what do you think he, he brings, which could potentially make him you know, more of a, a prospect than some may have felt? Well, he's a crafty scorer. That's what mm. you know you're going to get from him is this creative score. And I think he has to be because he doesn't have like, you know, this – typical athleticism and elite yeah. first step and these natural, you know, quick twitch gifts that some of the other guys have for, and, and that team's value in wings. So I think by him not being really athletic kind of make forces him to be a little crafty and, and, and creative. I think at the very minimum, he could be a three point shooter shot yeah. a little under 40% from three. Mm. I think there could be a role. I just wonder defensively, is that, you know, the lack of athleticism, does it really hurt him more on the defensive end, even though I think he can move his feet? But we've seen in the playoffs, if if the team sees a guy that they think is a weak leak on the def a weak link on yeah. the defensive end, they're gonna target you every single play. And so I think that's probably like the biggest reason why he mm. fell. Mm. On offense, he shot 38% on catch and shoot threes, and he seems to really like that. That corner three, which the Raptors have notoriously struggled with a little bit, just finding consistency from there. Um, I would imagine, I mean, I mentioned this on other podcasts that I think every single Raptor was tasked with becoming a better three-point shooter because that was a clear weakness in their half court. You know, Pascal draws a double, he kicks it out and 
it doesn't go in. But on days where it did, because, you know, shooting is up and down, the Raptors look very different. But Philadelphia, they exposed that in that game six, especially. They just really targeted the Raptors and they made, they left spaces, wide open spaces on parts of the court saying, I want to see someone other than, you know, when Pascal Siakam draws it out or kicks it out, I want to see someone hit a shot. And no one was able yep. to. And so they got blown out in the second half against in the 76ers uh, in that game six. And so that's their weakness. And it's an interesting you know, prospect that could potentially help there is that if he's able to, at the very least, just be a consistent three-point shooter yep. um, who's got you know, you know, catch and shoot chops who gets a shot off pretty quickly with his, with his stroke maybe a rotation piece one day. Um, but the defense, you know, the lack of athleticism, like that is, that's the thing in the NBA. It's exposed. We saw it all the time in these playoffs and the finals, which were incredible. They were targeting anyone and everyone. That was the basis of offenses. Um, so if he's able to find his way through that and just, you know, continue to be physical on the defensive end and maybe he gets a little more athletic, um, the Raptors, like we're talking about, they're going to find ways to develop you. They will develop you. I still go back to that quote. If we can find them, we will develop them. Masai Ujiri. Yeah. So another project that the Raptors are taking on and one that has a lot of God gift, God given offensive skills on the offensive end, which is a hell of a start. Um, yep. Raphael, um, this was really, really fun. Uh, I appreciate your candor and your insight. You, I clearly you're very good at your job, just with some Thank of the you. stories that you're able to, to share about some of these guys and you can tell people where they can find your work. You can let, I'll let you do it. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. You can find me on Twitter at Barlow, B-A-R-L-O-W-E-5-0-0. And then I run the NBA Big Board newsletter. So it's nbabigboard.com. And then I have a podcast for the past, oh, I don't know, maybe the past three or four months. It's been five days a week. I think I'm going to have to <laughs> tail it down a little bit because I don't For your know. sake. Yeah, for your sake. Please well, do. just because, like, I mean, oh, I don't know how I can talk about prospects five days a week in <laughs> August and September with there's really nothing going on, especially after Summer League. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, NBABigBoard.com is the is the website and the Locked On NBA Big Board podcast. So I should – I don't know. I haven't figured out what I'm going to do, but it's been five days a week. I probably at the minimum do three. I mean, I love talking basketball. I love talking prospects. So at, at the very, very minimum, you'll still get three days a week out of me. Take a day off here and there, man. Um, I think everyone's going to be taking a little draft break. So you should take one too. Raphael Barlow. I got it. That's where I got to catch up. I got to, <laughs> I got to catch him. If everybody else is sleeping, then I got to make up ground. That's kind of oh, been my man. mentality. <laughs> that is a, that's a grind right there. You'd be yeah. a hell of a basketball prospect with that kind of mentality. <laughs> if you're yeah, a little just, bit taller, as you mentioned earlier. I developed it late. I mean, that's probably what happens with a lot of prospects. Yeah, <laughs> you develop it late. when <laughs> when your prime days are done. So, but thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate you. Thanks so much, and everyone, uh, rate, review, and subscribe. As I said earlier, follow Raphael's work. We'll talk to you next time. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 